Well, good morning, Heartland. Really good to be together. You beat the rain, or the rain beat you. I'm not sure which it is. Well, listen, I, I got some great news recently. Uh, no, I didn't lower my cholesterol. And uh, no, I didn't save 15% of my car insurance. But it's close. Actually, the good news that I have is probably going to raise my car insurance. So my son, who turned 14 on uh, just a couple weeks ago, the day after, <clears throat> he went to a Saturday driving school for eight hours. And the good news was he came in at the end of the day and said, Dad, I passed the written test. That's amazing. It is. It's the third, third of our children getting on the road. Uh, so the good news for him, uh, for a parent getting that news, it's a little disconcerting, right? Because uh, you know the rates go up. And by the way, what is insurance? Insurance is actually spreading the risk. So thank you that we are sharing the risk for my 14-year-old son behind the wheel. I, I don't know what we're thinking about as a society that we'd put 14-year-old boys behind the wheel. Uh, but he informed me that, Dad, we need 15 hours before I can get to the driving instructor. Um, so I'm actually now, uh, no pun intended, in the driver's seat about how that goes. Uh, I hope he's okay with 14 hours in the parking lot. Um, <laughs> No, we've got to get up there and get 70 miles an hour and, and uh, just really want him to be set up. And it's the kind of good news that makes me happy as a parent to say, okay, you did eight hours, you passed the test. And it's good news that, you know, carries over into the driving. And it's amazing the kinds of conversations you begin to have in the car about the things that I don't do that are the law. Do you, do you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Dad, my, my instructor said that was a rolling stop. Uh, Dad, hey, did you know that that color is red? I said, listen, son, I'm colorblind. No, 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 not making an excuse. Uh, but it's the kind of news that just carries you. And we've all had those good news moments where we've either received good news when somebody carries it to us or we've offered good news. And we love, we love good news moments. And they're the kind of thing that can carry the conversation, that can carry us into the next season. Well, we've been in this suit up series and we're bringing it to, uh, we're winding that down and we find ourselves at the end of Ephesians. Can you believe that? We're going to have one more week on Ephesians next week, I tell you, all right? But as we wind down, the Apostle Paul, who happens to be the author that we've been tracking with in this portion of Scripture inspired by God, he finds himself in verse 19 in some good news situation. And it reads like this, the word, by the way, good news euangelion in the Greek, uh, it, it's the word for gospel, it means good news. And here's what Paul says uh, after he encourages these folks to pray for him, and pray also for me that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the good news or the gospel. In the next verse, he actually says, for which I am imprisoned, I am in chains. Now, this must be great news, because I'll tell you what, I don't know that I would go to prison for the good news of my son getting his driver's license as early as he is. Would you go to prison for that? No, no, no. But, but Paul finds himself imprisoned because he's offering the good news. This, this must be great news. Well, in his time period, that euangelion, that word for good news, it actually would be used like the Romans would go, and by the way, they didn't lose a battle. They would go in and they would conquer a territory and they would have a sprinter who would run back to Rome to say, hey, here's the good news. Caesar is the victor again. Rome has won the victory. We are now occupying that territory. Euangelion, here's the good news. I'm gonna herald that. I'm gonna be the messenger. So Paul is saying, hey, I am a messenger of good news, and I want to sprint, as it were, from region to region, and I want to tell that there is a victor, 
and the territory has been plundered, and we are victorious. And because of that, he had been stirring things up, he had been put in prison. It must be great news. So what is the great news that Paul is spreading that would put him in prison? Well, there is a victor, and his name is Jesus Christ. And this Jesus had lived his life sinless, by the way, was put to a Roman cross, not for his own sin, but on the behalf of the sins of mankind. And actually, he shed his blood, and according to God, the shedding of blood actually gives the permission for the washing away of sin for you and for me. And then he died, but thankfully, three days later, the grave could not hold him. He rose again from the dead, proving that he had conquered death, and he had conquered sin, and he had conquered the grave, and he is a victor in life, and he had pillaged darkness with the kingdom of light. And Paul is saying, that is great news, and I am going to proclaim it so all can hear. And in fact, today, we are really a generation that through the generations, this good news has been heralded and passed down that we have a victory, a victor who has won the victory. Is that not good news? He is imprisoned. And then he goes in, so if we go to the beginning of the passage of Ephesians 6.10, where we said, finally, finally, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. See, that's the context, what he's saying to these followers of Jesus in Ephesus. He's saying, your authority is not in your own source. You are not your own source of your own strength and your own might and your own power. Just like the Roman soldier is not standing his post on his own authority, in his own strength, in his own might. He stands his post at the edict of Caesar, at the system of Rome, and that is the source of his authority. It's been given to him. In the same way, the believer has been given the Lord's strength, has been given the power of his might. And he says, so therefore, stand in that position, in that posture, we are more than conquerors through Christ who loved us. I'm not just a little conqueror, I'm more than a conqueror. In fact, he says, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. That's why he goes on and says, because you have the victory, now you can suit up because I've pillaged the schemes of the evil one and here's how you can stand. You can stand firm. But if you don't know that you're in Christ, if you don't know if Christ is in you, if you don't know if this victor is yours and this victory is for you, it's really tough to stand in strength that you don't know you don't have. Does that make sense? And God wants us to know, I have given you everything that pertains to life and to godliness. I have given you the strength you need. It's my strength in you because of the power of the good news, the power of the gospel, the power that I died was buried and I rose again from the dead. And those who say, Jesus come into my life, he says he that has the son or she that has the son has life. But if you don't have the son and you don't have, then you don't have life. And God says if you ask anything according to my will and it is his will that we have the son in our life, he says I'll answer that prayer. In fact, you had a card on your seat and it looks just like this. And on one side it says I am at the top and the other side it says I can. The first at the top says I am a child of God. So if we look at John 1.12 and it reads like this. And this is the testimony. But to all who uh, did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. 
God wants us to know this victory in our life. It's for all people for all time, but I, I have to receive it. It's like a gift. I can't experience unless I receive it. And, and if I receive it, God says he'll receive me. And, and God sets it up as simple for a child to understand. And we can, we can enter in in a childlike way where we can say, okay, God, sorry for the things that I've done. I know that my sin, the junk in my life, it separates me from you. That's what he says. But God, I, I say thank you for the fact that you died on the cross, you shed your blood to wash away my sin, you were buried and you rose again from the dead, and I just say thank you with my mouth that you have done that on my behalf. And then you say, please, please, oh God, would you come into my life? He that has the Son has what? Has life. He that does not have the Son of God does not have life. That's why Paul's imprisoned. He wants to tell the victor and victory message that's for, for all people for all time. And that includes us here today. And maybe you've never said to God, sorry, thank you, please. And maybe right now your heart's beating or you want to tune me out, but you think that message is for me. I need to know the victor and the victory that is Jesus. Well, I just want to push pause and make space for that right now. If that is in your heart, you can actually say right here, right now, in the quietness, you don't have to do it out loud, quietness of your own heart and your own head. God, I'm sorry for the things in my life that separate me from you. God, I thank you that you died on the cross for me. You shed your blood to wash away that junk in my life. I know you were buried. I believe, God, you rose from the dead. Thank you. And would you please come into my life? And when you invite him in, he says, I come. If you ask anything according to my will, 1 John 4, 5, I'll answer you. If you've invited him in, he doesn't play games. It's not holy hide and seek. Hey, maybe the dangling carrot. No. You invite, he says yes, you say yes to him, and he is in your life. And here's what's amazing that happens. The Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you. It's a mystery. And Jesus said when the Holy Spirit comes, he guides us into all truth. So now in my life, I'm not powerless. I've got the power of the gospel. Even if I'm close to God, I need the power of the gospel every day. And I have the power of the Holy Spirit, God in me, who will lead me into all truth. And in a moment, we're going to talk about the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. It's actually the only offensive weapon in this entourage of the Roman soldier garb that we've been walking through. So here's what I want to remind us. The evil one, his primary strategy, his primary way of getting at us is the lie. He is the father of lies, that's what the Bible tells us. And our primary offensive and defensive weapon, do you know what it is? It's the truth. So he comes at us with a lie, and we can come back with a truth. So we want to look at the sword of the Spirit this morning. So over in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 17, before we go there, put this grid up for us. Here's where we've been. Here's where we've been. The evil one has his schemes, and he comes with deception and corruption and opposition and intimidation and doubt and confusion and isolation, and God gives us countermeasures. And uh, they're the belt of truth. 
the breastplate of righteousness, the sandals of peace, the shield of faith, that helmet of salvation, sword of the spirit. And notice our responsibility. Read it with me. Know the truth. Next one. Live the advance. Believe. Hold fast to. Speak. Pray. God gives us the ability to combat the evil one's scheme of a lie with the truth. And so when we go to Ephesians 6.17 where he says, we'll bring it up on the screen, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of God. You know, he's calling us to take up this sword. Now, I don't know about you, but I, I want a big sword, right? I mean, I, I want a huge sword. Well, the word for sword here is actually a, a small sword or a dagger. Why? Because the combat with the evil one and the lives that he brings against us, they're up close and personal. This is hand-to-hand -hand combat. So this smaller sword and then spirit, the word for that is pneuma. It's Remember pneumonia? Pneuma, breath. It's the breath of God, the Holy Spirit of God, the breath of God that breathes life into us. In fact, moments ago, if you invited Jesus into your life for the first time, Holy Spirit comes in, breathe spiritual life. It's a mystery. We wanna help you walk that out. But then, the word for word is actually in the Greek, it's rhema. And it means an utterance or to speak a thing. And so, the sword of the Spirit, this small, up and close, personal sword, of the Spirit, the breath of God, Holy Spirit in us is the rhema, the spoken word of God. Let me show you how this works in my own life. Tuesday, I happened to be out of town. I didn't realize this on Monday. I had actually believed a lie. And you know the nature of deception is you don't know what's happening. That's why it's called deception. So I'm believing this lie that I'm a disappointment. And it came in forms of I'm a bad husband, I'm a bad dad, I'm a bad boss, I'm a bad leader, I'm a bad friend, and the list can go on. But the core to me, and I hadn't named it, was I'm such a disappointment. It comes out of kind of my uh, family of origin stuff way back when I was a little kid. So what's interesting is if you had read the text from my wife or had been in my meeting with my colleagues or read the text with a friend or had the conversations, you would say to me, I didn't hear anything that they said to you that's your disappointment. I didn't hear the lie. That's the nature of the lie. I put on this filter, I had already made agreement with this lie, and I was believing the lie that I'm such a disappointment. I'm a bad dad, bad husband, the list goes on. This thing just crawled up all over me by Tuesday night. Thankfully, I had a colleague with me. We sat in the hotel, and for two hours, he just served me by listening to where I was. And we discerned together. We, we locked our shields together, and we began to discern and name the lies that were happening that, ah, I was feeling injustice. And then I felt fear, and, and Nick actually prayed and talked about that today. This fear of loss. And then I began to have this justification in my mind and I made these conclusions. They weren't even true, again, if you read the texts or if you're in those meetings. But once we named the lie, brought it into the light, it broke its power. That is the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Look at the second thing on your list. Here's what I used to push back the darkness. It was my dagger, it was the spoken rhema word of God that I used I'm chosen and appointed by Christ to bear his fruit. 
I'm not a disappointment. In fact, I'm actually appointed to bear fruit. You see how that works? Name the lie, push back the darkness with the spoken word of God, and I anchored my life in that. Well, where do we learn how to do something like that? Jesus Christ is a great example. If we go into Luke chapter three, the end of the chapter, and it reads like this. Now when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, the heavens were opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form. Like a dove and a voice came from heaven. You are my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased, or with you I'm well pleased. So Jesus is moving into the baptism waters. He's fulfilling the law in obedience. And in that moment, I don't think you can get more confirmation from heaven than to have Holy Spirit come down and rest upon you. Or to have heaven open and a tangible voice from heaven say, this is my son. He just names identity and says, I am well pleased with you. That's amazing. And then Luke 4 happens. And this is what happens to us. So I'm gonna read to you Luke chapter four, a portion of it. And Jesus, listen to this, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing during those days, and when they were ended, he was hungry. What an understatement. I mean, I'd be famished, right? The devil said to him, catch this, if you are the Son of God. And Jesus responded, it is written. You see, here's the up close and personal nature of the attack of the evil one. He tries to come at right at our identity. Identity had just been declared. You're my son, I'm well pleased. Now in the desert, he says, if you be. What did Jesus do? He took the written word of God and he spoke it, rhema, spoken word. It is written, boom. Satan comes back again. If you be, Jesus, it is written, rhema. Satan gets wise on the third try. He comes and says, if you be, and then Satan actually quotes some scripture kind of out of context. And then Jesus says, no, no, no. He corrects it and says, rhema, it is written. It's powerful. And see, we've got the same privilege as followers of Jesus. We also have the same dilemma. The evil one is going to come at you, he's going to come at me, and he's gonna come at the identity level, and he's gonna say, you are not enough, or you're such a bad, or you think you're a Christian, and look what you're doing to your kids, and look what you did at work, and here's the reality, he offers just a part truth. Could I be a better dad? Yes. Could I be a better boss? Absolutely. Could I be a better friend? Certainly. But he comes with the accusation and directs it right at our soul at a core level. And then we agree with it. The moment we agree with it, it just gets all over us. And then it just becomes this downward spiral. That's what had happened to me in that hotel room. And thankfully, I could lock shields with a brother who would come alongside me and unravel those accusations and move it right back in to the light. See, the challenge is gonna come for you, maybe already is happening in your head, and you have a weapon. It's the spoken word of God. 
where you can push back the darkness. I don't know about you, but there's plenty of stuff that fills me in my day. I get filled with apathy. I get filled with worry. I get filled with fear. Now, you might be here this morning and say, you know what, I've got peace, I've got joy, and I'd say, that's amazing. Keep that solid. In fact, in Ephesians chapter five, verse 18, Paul tells us, continue to be filled with Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit gives love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness, gentleness and self-control. Against such things there is no law, Galatians says. But maybe you're here this morning and you need your sadness to be traded with joy. You need your worry to be uh, uh, traded with faith. You need that hatred to be changed by love. You need that fear to be cast out with love and faith. What fills your life? Is it the gospel of Jesus that you are a victor? Is it Holy Spirit who reminds you of those truths? Is it the word of God that God has access because you read it, meditate on it, memorize it, and the Holy Spirit can use it in those moments when you start to get slimed by the evil one through his lives and deception and corruption, and you can pull out your dagger and you can push back the darkness on that hand-to-hand combat when he comes against your identity. What are you filled with today? What if we actually pause? It's probably already in your head or your heart. What if we paused? Just ask God to name what fills you. What, what if instead of locking horns with my spouse, my boss, my kids, my parents, my roommate, my friend, my neighbor, Stranger, what if instead of locking horns, we actually locked shields? What if we named, right here, right now, quietness of your own heart, what fills your life? Take a pause. Ask God to name what fills my life today. I'll do it with you. God, would you name for me, J. Cole? What fills my life? Maybe it's not your life. Maybe it's your home. Maybe it's your workplace. Maybe it's the neighborhood. Go to those places. God, what fills those places? Ask Holy Spirit to come and trade. If despair fills your heart, your home, ask for him to come and fill you with hope. If a sense of powerlessness grips your heart, ask God to come by way of his Holy Spirit to give you power. So as the band comes, I'm just gonna invite you to take this card. And go ahead and read through it. Take a moment. We're going to give you space to do it. You may need this week the written scriptures to speak Rema word, to push back the darkness. This is a portable copy of your dagger, your sword. You can get this on Facebook, by the way. We push it out on social media. Take a moment now. Read down through some of these pieces. 
I'm a child of God. I'm chosen and appointed. Next section. Since I'm in Christ, by the grace of God, I've been justified. I've been chosen by Christ. I've been redeemed. I have direct access to God through his spirit. I love the back, the I can's from the Bible. Why should I say I can't when the Bible says I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me? Why should I never feel alone when Jesus says I am always with you even unto the end of the age? Why should I feel worthless when God made him who knew no sin to be sin on my behalf that I might become the righteousness of God in him? Can I give you a quiet moment? Let God highlight a scripture you may need. And you realize you might be in a great place personally. Maybe God would highlight something that a friend might need or a spouse or a roommate or a professor or a stranger. Ask God to highlight a scripture for you that you can use as the spoken word this week to push back the darkness.